Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. This call is being recorded. He's a little sexier than the talk shoe guy. This is, in fact, being recorded. It's your SteelerFury.com podcast for week three of the 2016 NFL season. That would be your Pittsburgh Steelers. Going to be facing the Philadelphia Eagles this week. Uh, with me, oh, I am your host, Bradshaw DeBan. I almost forgot why with that. Okay, Will Masterson, and I'm here uh, with my cohort back again this week. Um, he is uh, driving in his car, but don't panic. It's Steel Perch, everyone. How are you, Steel? Doing well. I never call you Steel, but for some reason today it came out. Um, the, um, <laughs> well, um, it's been a while since you checked in. Uh, in terms of the Cincinnati game, was it everything you expected? What was your take on the game? Pretty pretty close to it. I mean, I, I thought it would be a tough defensive battle. Those games always are. Um, when you add in that driving rainstorm, that the you know the weather reports leading up to the day, that rain was supposed to stop around like 12 o'clock. And they had this window from like 1 to 4 that was going to be dry. So I was kind of hoping that would be the case. But uh, it's probably the worst I've ever seen Ben in the weather. You know, he's always, uh, you know, had such – you know, big hands and, and strong with the ball, even in the inclement weather. And that's probably the the worst his accuracy has been that I can recall due to rain or wet footballs or whatever the issue was. But, uh, yeah, I'd say it went pretty close according to script. I didn't think Cincinnati's offense was going to really solve the Steelers' defense. If they couldn't do it last year when we were down, and, um, you know, I didn't think the Steelers would really light up the Bengals. So it was pretty close to what I thought. Yeah, and it's funny, like, uh, you know, where our expectations for Ben, especially the last couple of years, uh, you know, is that he's just so precise with the football and so on and so forth. But even on a horrendous day, it wasn't all that bad. I mean, he kind of he kind of got it together a little bit. It just it just looked like it was at some points there just raining so hard. And that field is cannot possibly be the easiest place to play when the weather is well, and, you know, Cincinnati is pretty familiar with what the Steelers do and down and distance and third downs especially, and, and they put a, a lot of effort into bracketing Antonio Brown. And, think you know, Pac-Man Jones did a pretty fair job of, of shadowing him uh, when they were lined up together. Uh, so, you know, it really showed the Steelers' lack of that second option where Ben had to really get after Sammy Coates and, and get him back in the game to get him to stop stopping on routes on the deep ball. Uh, and, and once those two connected a few times, it opened things up enough for them to score some points. And we had to dig deep into the well to uh, Xavier Grimble and Jeff James to, to score some touchdowns. But I think, you know, that may be a problem all year. If teams start taking away Antonio Brown, somebody's got to step up. It sounds like Wheaton's coming back this week. And I think Coates will grow into the role throughout the year. Um, but really, there isn't a strong second receiver that's really established himself yet. Yeah, and I think that's part of the reason that uh, you know they spent so much time in the preseason trying to work the ball to uh, to Eli Rogers and to Jesse James, and especially in that game three of the preseason where they just fed them the ball over and over again. I think this is the process of trying to get the second and third option situation going on. Um, but you're right; it's it's one of those things. It's like it it becomes apparent when a team can either take Antonio Brown away or it's just not his best day or best matchup or whatever really got to have those other guys step up or even a, an offense that supposedly has, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of choices, a lot of options. You can, you know, it's still, it's a, still a team taking away what you do best. You've got to, the really great teams have got to find a way to get over that. Uh, the, you know, in terms, in terms of, you know, the Steelers did all that, put up 24 points, won the football game, but I think it's a really interesting strategy that they've taken on this year. And I, I don't think it's any coincidence that they've run it out there, trotted it out there for a couple of weeks of basically sitting back in coverage, making teams throw underneath. And uh, it's kind of like they haven't been able to run the ball, even though the Steelers are sitting back in coverage. And that to me is a really big tell. 
Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, uh, when you get to a quarterback like Brady, he's going to carve you up and down the field, and then, you know, he's good and savvy enough that when he gets in the red zone, he's going to find a way to get touchdowns. But Kirk Cousins and Andy Dalton, these guys, are not. You know, you, you kind of, it reminds me almost of the Super Bowl against Seattle, where they were willing to, between the 20s, we'll give you the underneath stuff, let you dump it off. But when you get down low, uh, down in the red zone, we're just going to shut you down. And, you know, think your offense can score more touchdowns than the other team's going to score field goals and you win the game that way. Um, you know, that'll work for the most part. But when you face those three, four, five elite quarterbacks in the league, they're going to they're gonna punish you a bit. So um, we'll see how the strategy changes this week and, and weeks to come as they uh, face some better quarterbacks. Yeah, they. Uh, it, it feels like, you know, it, I mean, they seem like they have the personnel to do what they – might really like to do is just to change it up a little bit depending on who the quarterback is and what the matchup is. But I mean, um, I just, the one thing I, I, I wondered if you would address is just this, how are they managing to stop teams running the football, even though they're not necessarily have a lot of guys crowding the line of scrimmage? They've had some outstanding run fits by Robert Golden and, and uh, Shazier's made plays and Jarvis Jones has made plays and, James Harrison's still tough to move against the run, and the three guys on the defensive line are, are clogging the lanes and, and shutting people down, and, and they've done a really good job at it. Um, it just, you know, individuals are, are stepping up to make plays. They're, they're, you know, everybody's playing their responsibility, and, and some guys have really, you know, come through and, and made some, some big tackles. Uh, so, you know, if you do that and get guys behind the sticks on, you know, second and ten and third and eight. That you know, what was the Bengals three for fifteen, or I don't remember the exact number on, uh, or maybe four for sixteen on, on third down conversions last week, uh, and that's the reason why they they were so good on, against the run on the early downs. They held them into third and longs, and and the defense was able to uh, get a, get a lot of the stops there. Yeah, it's been. I mean, I'm, it's kind of hard not to be impressed with what they've done defensively so far. And and, uh, and to that end, uh, we'll talk some Pittsburgh Steelers defense with. Um, the remaining cohort of our show, who's uh, I think he's running a marathon right now, actually somewhere uh, deep in the south in South Carolina. He is with us. How are you, sir? I am doing well. I'm driving from Charlotte, North Carolina, to North Augusta, South Carolina. And don't ask me what I was doing in Charlotte today, but it wasn't the best of ideas. <laughs> uh, well, the freeway was closed, right? Yeah, it was. Interstate was open though. And uh, I swung around, and, yeah, it's just madness, man. It's just madness. Yeah, big protest going on down there in case those of you – Yeah, I know Jimmy uh, actually tunes into the show just to hear news about the world, Bradgelina <laughs> and, and the Black Lives Matter. Yeah. So uh, there you go, Jimmy. More breaking news for you on the Steeler Fury podcast. Anyway, FC, glad you can be with us. Um, you were just talking about – I asked Perch, how are the Steelers managing to stop – teams from running the football uh even though they're they're sitting back in coverage it seems to be a really usually you give up you know you, have, you give up one to get the other right i i, I agree um they're, they're getting solid play from the defensive line um i against the run um and uh the series linebackers are awful quick they're i mean kevin's had some issues with tackling uh seems ryan chazier's Straighten out this problem. Robert Golden did an excellent job tackling Mike Mitchell. Though he's a heat-seeking missile, he seems uh, to not be injuring himself, and uh, he's doing more damage to offensive ball carriers than to uh, his own teammates, which is a good switch from last year. But uh, the Steelers are just rallying to the ball. They're playing fast. Um I guess it goes back to that Dick LeBeau, he who tries to cover every blade of grass, but no blades of grass, whatever crazy craziness that was. But uh, you just got to give the Steelers credit. They're playing fast. They're playing hard. You know, they opened up the season with two playoff teams, won both games. You know, um, this week you'll be – I think this is going to be our, our, our toughest test to date. But uh, I believe the Steelers are prepared for it. It seems like it. Uh, so, Perch, uh, are, you, are you surprised as I am that the Steelers are kind of mixing and matching defensive secondary personnel? And it seems like they're really integrating the new guys and uh, and not just trotting out the same four or five guys for every play. 
And I think that so far there's been some growing pains, but it's worked pretty well. No, I can't say I'm surprised because, I mean, they don't have the depth that maybe they had last year where they had some trusted veteran guys who we all thought were a little maybe underperforming. Uh, guys that they have this year, they pretty much have had to play. The two the two rookies have, you know, really seen a lot of time in the dime. And, you know, Davis has missed a lot of tackles, but his coverages, I think, have been pretty solid. Uh, you know, not great, but but not bad. So you kind of thought that they were they really liked both of those guys. They were going to find ways to work them in. You know, with the goal is by week 16 and you get to the playoffs, those guys are now no longer rookies. They know what they're doing. You're comfortable with them. They're comfortable with you. And all of a sudden you're, you know, primed for a playoff run. Yeah, and I, I don't uh, I don't know that Robert Golden has done anything that to make you think, oh, we need to upgrade that guy, you know, so can't wait to get Sean Davis integrated and get Golden off the field. If anything, it's been the opposite. It's Golden's been rock solid so far. I think he's been a, I don't want to say a pleasant surprise, but he's been very good. Everything he's done, even like I talked to mention before, you know, in some of the run game where he kind of recognized things and, and, and shot in and blew plays up right at, uh, right at the line of scrimmage and uh, in deep coverage, he's been good covering the slot. He's been good. He's, you know, he's, he's been pretty good in, in the instances he's got in in the past years. So, you know, putting him at uh, more of a strong safety position instead of free safety or that uh, that nickel position, he's shown he could do a little bit of everything back there. He's a former corner. He can cover. He can run. And, you know, my concern was can can he fill the run and, and hit? And he's done that pretty well, too. So he's been a real pleasant surprise. Yeah, he might have done that as well as anybody uh, on the Steelers' defense right now. Um, it seems like he's involved in every run fit. Uh, FC, uh, how how long can the Steelers get away with this – Sort of, uh, I don't know if it's a pass rush. It's just they don't have the talent, or they're focused more on containing, or exactly what's going on. But it seems like that's something that you need to get if you're going to sit back in coverage. Um, I don't think the Steelers are blitzing nearly as much as the national media and the TV broadcasters would leave you to believe. You know, um, where, where I'm from and the way I think, you're bringing five or more. That's a blitz. Generally, and I see the Steelers will bring four. They'll bring five at times, but I don't see a ton of six and seven man blitz packages. Um, when I, yeah, to be, to be honest with you, I, I I think the Steelers were planning on uh, getting a little bit more of a pass rush, and I'm not attacking the other player from Cam Hayward, Stephen Tillett, Hargraves, um, and it's really not been there, but. You look at the you know the way the, those guys are hustling, blowing to the ball. They both uh, both Hayward and Tua made two or three plays, you know, six or seven yards downfield. Um, you look at the way that both Hayward and Tua attacked screens, where they read screen and they basically got, you know, I, I, I think that the, the the sacks will come and the pressures will come. Um, I think the Steelers are very happy right now to sit back, keep everything in front of them, and then attempt to outscore teams. And I, that's really never been our character as Steelers, you know, Steeler fans. We've, we're not used to this, used to that. But that's the way football's going, you know. Um, the Steelers are willing to give up three if they can score seven. They'll give up another three if they can score seven. And uh, that's the approach, unfortunately, I, I see them taking. I, I thought the, the offensive game plan, you know, against the Bengals to start off with was, was solid. But – as soon as you see how much Cincinnati was up our ass with play calling, I mean, they were sitting on their outs. They knew it was coming. Um, you know, at, at that point, I, I was hoping that, that Haley would just open it up even more and just say, you know what, we're going two-minute offense and we're going to go with that as our base and let's see if they, you know, can keep pace. And I, I feel if we fell behind, I think that's what you would have seen. And uh, back to the pass rush. I believe that, you know, it is what it is. You know, um, Chicolo Got a great first step. If he doesn't beat the, you know, beat the offensive tackle, offensive lineman off first step, he isn't going to have success. You know, James Harrison, you know, the first two weeks facing, you know, uh, Andy Whitworth and Trent Williams, you know, those are two pretty good left tackles. You know, the same thing can be said for Arthur Motes. Um, I believe the Eagles will be a very, very stern test for the Steelers this week. Far more of a test than I think the, a lot of people are giving them credit for. Um, Carson Wentz, is actually everything he was advertised as. And uh, he's distributing the ball, he's getting the ball out of his hands, and he's making the proper reads. 
we'll see if that's the case this week. Yeah, and I'm Perch. I, I know you were plenty impressed with, uh, with Carson Wentz. I mean, we'll we'll get we'll get to uh, your Wentz comments uh, and so on. But just before we uh, move on in terms of reviewing from the Cincinnati game, um, Perch, how, how concerned are you about Ben Roethlisberger's interceptions? And I know that you know like the two in this game didn't seem to be real big game turners or anything, um, and probably just more a function of of uh, to tossing it up there 37 times in the rain, but uh, you, you know I know it's been mentioned as a potential problem. How do you how do you perceive it right now? Um, yeah, I mean he's throwing he threw too many last year and he started off this season with three. Now if you look at the two that he had last week, one you can directly attribute to Sammy Coates stopping running his route. Period. Then put the ball where it needed to be. Coates stopped, started back up, didn't get the ball. The other one, you know Brown was wide open for a touchdown on that play. He had. Uh, it was a Pac-Man on, on the coverage beat. I mean, it was he was dead to rights. And I, I think that was a rain ball. I don't think it was just inaccuracy. I think, you know, Ben was kind of looking at his hands after the play where he threw it three yards behind Antonio. If he leads him by a yard, he had all the room in the world to run that ball to the end zone. So, you know, if you want to chalk one up and make excuses for the guy, one was a slippery ball that got out of his control and the other, the receiver quit on him. Uh, so I'm not too concerned about that. But if you go back even to the Washington game, he had an interception there, and then he had a, a stupid sack fumble where he got stripped holding the ball too long and not taking care of it. That's the one knock on his game that is still legitimate. He doesn't take good enough care of the ball at times. Um, so, you know, make what you want of it. I'd like to see him have less turnovers. I think we all would. Uh, this, the ones, the two from this last game, I, you know, I think there's probably some legitimate excuses for but uh, he does have to get better with the ball. Yeah, and of course, the stat people were saying, you know, the last six regular season games, they conveniently left out the two playoff games where he didn't throw a pick. But in the last six regular season games, he has, you know, an interception in every one of them, has thrown 10 picks. And of course, my counter to that is they were also 5-1 and one in those six games and put up 30-some points, you know, most of the time. So, you know, it's one of those things. It's like a function of when you become a passing offense where you're, you know, you're winging it around. And on top of that, you have, some guys fitting in the mix like Eli Rogers that, you know, and Sammy Coates who, who, you know, are not necessarily a hundred percent on the same page with Ben all the time. You're going to, you're going to have some issues, but um, that well, I, yeah. it's a double-edged sword too. I mean, if you're, if you're going to live with a guy who on third and one or fourth and one chucks a 35 yard deep ball down the field and comes up with these 60 yard splash play touchdowns, the other side of that, some of those are, are you know, 50-50 balls. The other team's going to come down with some of those and come up with some interceptions. We're becoming a big play splash uh, offense that uh, we've always wanted to see. You know, the downside of that is you are going to have more turnovers. So if you want to eliminate some turnovers, you better be willing to give back some of those huge plays too. So you can't have it both ways. Yeah, and I think it's also, you know, in, in 2004 and 2005, Ben was a guy who waited for everybody to get open before he threw the football, like most young quarterbacks. And, you know, as he tried to evolve his game into anticipating what guys were going to do, you saw 2006 where, you know, he didn't, he and the receivers were not really on the same page and he didn't really understand it very well uh, and threw a lot of picks. And then it feels like, you know, there was a lot of evolution in that game, but when you change, you have a big turnover in, in, in receivers, you're going to have a lot of relearning to do and a lot of trust issues to try to get over. So I, I'd rather that he trusts, Sammy Coates and Eli Rogers even trust them to make mistakes if they're going to make mistakes so that they can learn. And FC, it seems like, you know, every year we, we have this sort of feeling out period in the early part of the year. And at least this year, while it's happening, we're 2-0. and right? I think FC got tired of waiting to be heard. He left us. Um, no. <laughs> oh, you're there. Okay. Yes. Well, I was saying that uh, the – there, while we have a uh, learning curve, at least we're 2-0. and It could be worse. Absolutely. We could easily be on, too. And let's not forget, we faced two playoff teams from the previous season. Now, I understand that Washington, you know, uh, isn't looking like that great of a football club this year. But, you know, at the same time, you know, the Bengals traditionally give us problems. 2-0 and is a very, very, very good start. The Eagles game I, this week concerns me. Concerns me probably – more than either of the first two games because Philadelphia's defense, in my opinion, is for real. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Steelers fans should be thrilled with 2-0. Yeah, um, you know, I'm 
I, th I think you definitely should be. It's just it's easy to, you know, these are not necessarily – we expect to beat the Ohio team somehow every time that Ben laces them up, even though that hasn't always been true. And especially Cincinnati lately seems to have his number a little bit. But anyway, Can you imagine Coach, if we were Cincinnati Bengal fans and we had our head coach that was 4-21 and 21 all time versus the Pittsburgh Steelers and he still manages to keep a job? <laughs> I read that like, like, like I was like, "Holy hell, is he really four and twenty-one versus the Steelers?" But with playoffs included, that's what they had in a nice little Kentucky article that I read. Four and twenty-one. I was like, "Whoa!" Yeah, that is just not that is not good. No matter how you slice it, for sure. Uh, I forgot I was going to ask you, Perch, just now, but uh, so just uh, something about oh. So last week, FC and I had a discussion about, you know, what was it about the Cincinnati Bengals that seemed to give our offense fits familiarity, obviously. Um, you know, we talked about Reggie Nelson, but ultimately it seems like this week really proved it boils down to that front four. You know, they have the ability to get pressure and create a little bit of a stonewall with their defensive front without having to, you know, blitz or do things like that against the Steelers. And that seems to be the magic ticket to at least slowing things down. Yeah, I mean, they've got Simpson, uh, Paco in the middle that really clog things up and, and can occasionally give us fits in the run game. Atkins is, you know, the, the best interior pass rusher in the game, or at least one of the top two. And then the, the edge guys they have are so big and so long uh, that uh, you know, Dunlap and Johnson, the, those are, those are t difficult guys for our tackles to block and impossible guys for our tight ends to block. So they've got uh, – a lot of ways they can win on the front four, and if you're winning in the front four, it's going to you know chew up a lot of what you want to do on offense. So yeah, the Bengals. I mean, that's probably one of the, definitely one of the top five defensive lines we'll face all in, in the league. Uh, you know, and they may be even a little bit better than that. So you could understand some struggles against that front. And now uh, the follow-up question, Perch, is trying to be as objective as possible, not thinking of it in terms of Steelers Bengals. How good do you think the Bengals are? Because my sense, you know, watching the game, I was thinking, man, it's not a very good Bengals team. But as I as it, as it went on and I kind of reviewed it and looked back at it, in a way, I feel like they're a pretty good team. Like they're, you know, Dalton isn't horrible. He's a he's a sort of a at the top of the middle tier, maybe of quarterbacks. Uh, their defense has a lot of you know ability to do different things that can that can stop you. And I think against most teams, they're going to be damn good on defense. And they may be shorthanded a couple of weapons on offense, but you know they, that's a pretty good team. The, the real weakness of this team, to me, seems to be coaching. You know, it's kind of like they're they're not the smartest, they're not the best prepared, and their plans aren't necessarily the best. I think um, roster wise, yeah, roster wise, top to bottom, they're probably one of the top five or six rosters in the NFL. They can dominate on both lines. Uh, they can rush the passer. They can run the ball. They've got explosive uh, weapons in the passing game. They've got a dozen number one picks, it seems like, in the secondary. They could do everything it takes to, to win in the modern NFL. So like, roster-wise, talent-wise, I mean, there, there's nobody I would say is really much better than the Bengals. They're fatally flawed and never going to win anything, though. You know, Marvin Lewis is good enough to get you there. I don't think he makes good enough adjustments, and I think that the leadership of that team is still flawed. When you've got guys that your your loudest voices on that team <laughs> – our, our Pac-Man and the uh, the dearly suspended linebacker who shall not be named that didn't play last week, perfect. Uh, you've got issues, and it's the, that thing the thing that's haunted Cincinnati for how many years? All the good teams they had back in the early 2000s with Carson Palmer, and then they had T.J. Hushmanzada and Chad Johnson out there running their mouth, and they always seem to have you know whatever it is with the Steelers locker room and veteran leadership that we always seem to have. They always seem to lack. They have some fatal flaw. I don't see it changing. But as far as talent goes, lining them up, you know, if this was a Madden game, one of the top five or six teams in the league. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. If you had their team in Madden, you could win everything because on paper they seem like they have all the, you know, they'd be highly rated if you rated all their pieces together. But they're just not the sum of their parts. It's funny. And, I mean, in comparison, Steelers roster compared to Cincinnati, I mean, Steelers have a pretty good roster. But I'm not even sure they have, other other than a quarterback, a substantially better roster. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, look, they've done a really nice job of, of building, and they built the right way. They built through the trenches. They, you know, they look at the modern NFL, and they put a lot of premium on cornerbacks and some edge rushers. And, you know, I think they're skill position guys. They've got a really good tight end and an elite wide receiver. 
the running backs are pretty decent, and their second and third receiver are just okay. They can, you know, stand. Although I think Tyler Boyd's going to be a good one. Um, they, uh, you know, they can stand upgrade some of those positions. But Andy Dalton's one of those guys that you're almost better not having him, <laughs> having him, because he's always going to keep you competitive. He's always going to keep you above 500. He's going to get you to some playoff games. But he's just not good enough to ever win it. You know, you you move on from a guy who's that good, uh, but knowing he's not never going to be great, unless you build a, just a completely stacked roster around him where he just has to manage games, you're not going to win. So, I don't know. I mean, I'm glad we're not in Cincinnati's position. Exactly. So, so FC, let's move on to this week's opponent, the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, how, you know, I'll, I'll frame that question for them. How good do you think Philadelphia is? Are they as good as they've looked the first two weeks? I mean, they played the two worst teams in football. Yeah, FC. Hello, FC. Come in, FC. Well, now, we, now we really might have lost it. They walked away. FC, you there, buddy? No. <laughs> I was asking how good you think Philadelphia Eagles are. Are they... Uh, they play the two worst teams in the NFL, but are they actually right. pretty good teams? Yeah, they actually, I actually think they're a very good team, to be honest with you. Um, I think they're one of the better teams I've seen out of the NFC this year. Um, defensively, they're very fast. Um, they're talented. They're well-coached. Um, they're getting a lot from players. Um, a, a point that I would like to make is uh, the linebacker, they take off the field, Michael Kendricks, I believe would probably – I don't want to offend the Shazier fans, but would probably be our best inside linebacker. And he actually comes off the field in uh, nickel, non-base situations for the Philadelphia Eagles. Brandon Graham, you know, Carwin Barwin, Fletcher Cox, excellent defensive line. Um, I think their defensive backs and their corners can be had. Uh, Malcolm Jenkins is a good safety, but he's up there in, in years. Um, that's who I think Robert Golden down the line may end up being a similar player to is uh, Michael Jenkins, which I'll be very happy with. Um, offensively, you know, uh, they, they have speed. Um, I'm not a big fan of Ryan Matthews, um, but, you know, Darren Sproles, I don't care how old he is, he's still explosive, he's still a playmaker. You know, outside, you know, Jordan Matthews is a nice player. They're getting uh, great, great play. Um, uh, the wide receiver from USC, whose name is – Momentarily escaping me. The tight end, uh, their starting tight end is injured, but Brent Suggs not too bad of a re- of a replacement. Um, their offensive line is massive. You know, Jason Peters, um, Kelsey's a little bit undersized and knows. I think that's a position where uh, the Steelers are really going to take advantage of this week with McCullers and with Hargraves. And uh, I believe you'll see, you know, Stephen Joey cocked in uh, in rush situations over top of Kelsey. But uh, I, I think the Philadelphia Eagles are for real. Uh, they are definitely my favorite to win the NFC East. And I think they're one of the better teams that I've seen out of the NFC this year. And honestly, one of the better teams I've seen in the NFL this year. Okay, well, I have a follow-up question for you, FC, but I'll wait for one second. I'm going to toss this to Perch because I know he's – hot on this subject uh you were really impressed with carson wentz so let's talk about wentz for just one second before i ask fc my question uh wentz the real deal i mean you know to me it's like once again he's played a couple of bad defenses but it seems like he does a lot of little things well he yeah he checks the boxes of the things i look for in a quarterback how does he handle pressure you know with this guy when he's been flush from the pocket or he's seen blitzes He's scrambled, but he hasn't scrambled to run as much as he's scrambled and kept his eyes downfield and looked to make big plays. He's thrown balls dead nuts on the money while on the move and had receivers drop them or maybe had a cornerback make a great play to get a finger on it to tip it away to bust up a a long pass. Um, Just some of the things he's doing before the snap, you don't see from rookie quarterbacks starting their first season. He's playing a lot more like a veteran where he's checking out of some bad plays, you know, maybe checking into some good plays. Um, and his accuracy has been good, and he's got good arm strength. And, and when he does have to run, he's a good athlete. So if, if you do flush him from the pocket, he can easily take off and pick up 15 or 20 yards. So 
he hasn't really been rattled yet. Granted, he hasn't played great defenses. He probably hasn't seen a lot of things that were going to confuse him just yet. But I think it projects very well for his long term that uh, he's able to do a lot of the mental things, and he, he's he's not afraid to take a hit. He's not afraid of of making a mistake, and he he looks to make the big play. You know, he's always looking down instead of just dumping the ball off and being captain checkdown and going for the three or four yard safe play on third and twelve. He's chucking that thing 15 yards and putting it dead on the money. Whether his guy catches it or not is another thing. He's had some uh, unfortunate uh, drops and and, and messed plays. But, uh, yeah, I've I've been real impressed. And I didn't see much of him in college, to be honest. You know, I've watched a little bit of the scouting tape and saw him play one or two games against, you know, lesser competition. Pretty tough for me to judge him. But what I've seen, I've seen both of the NFL games he's played, and he's been, uh, you know, lights out, very impressive. Reminds me of a young Ben in a lot of ways. Well, he's he's a gamer, you know. Like I just feel like he's somebody that might you, know, you might catch he might catch your eye in practice or in an exhibition game. But it's kind of like he's he's elevated his game, and his his college career was that I saw I saw maybe play five or six games in college, and you know it's, it's sort of a um, it, it's a tough program to to judge because uh, or to judge a player because you know they're really really well coached overall, and even though they don't necessarily have the best talent, they're just winning a lot of games because they outcoach other teams, you know. Um, but he um, he certainly lived up to the billing pretty much 100%. Uh, FC, uh, the question I was going to ask you was this new, you know, um, it's Jim Schwartz has come back into into Philly and he's, you know, installed his defense and so on and so forth. My, my complaint, though, is – He's turned them into a 4-3 team, and they have these two edge guys who are terrific 3-4 outside linebackers. To me, that's that's a real problem for them in a transition year like this with the new defense, and I think that's going to be something the Steelers can really take advantage of. I think that you can run a Connor Barwin. Brandon Graham, I, I just don't know what's happened with him. He is a far different player than he was his first – I mean, he was solid last year. This year – He's one of the better edge players that you're going to see. Uh, Vinny Curry also comes in. Excellent wave player. Uh, Philadelphia actually has an excellent front seven. I mean, it, I was shocked uh, how fierce and how impressive that front seven you know, was. Now, I understand that uh, they didn't play fantastic competition and they weren't you know, facing a great offensive line, but they just waved quick, big, explosive, fast players into the game. And I was just like, wow. Um, they, it's it's an impressive defensive front. And I like Jim Schwartz. I, I, I know a lot of people do not. He sat the year out of football last year. And uh, I think he came back, you know, to the game with a fresh perspective and fresh mind. Yeah, I mean, I, I like him and he's a proven winner. I just mean that it feels like in watching the game against Chicago, I, I don't – I think Chicago's offensive line is one of the worst in, in football, but it, fe- it felt like the Eagles edge guys are just, they're, you know, they're, they're now the way they have them aligned and the way that they're working, it just doesn't seem to fit their, their skills so well. And I feel like you're going to end up with a Steelers team. That's going to be able to run the ball a little bit, uh, not necessarily around the edges, but, but uh, you know, behind their guard and tackle split and, and they're, you know, they're going to be able to pass protect them because it's sort of, we have, we have tackles that are able to stunt a little bit what they do. Um, but, you know, that was just my perspective watching it. I just felt like Pittsburgh is going to be a bad matchup for them because of what they're doing. And as you said, Connor Barwin, I love him as a pass rusher, but you put his hands on the ground and have him, you know, run the wide arc every time you're going to be able to, to neutralize him enough in the pass rush game. And you're going to be able to run the ball right past him. It seems like. Yeah, um, Carter Barwood is not solid to last scrimmage. I agree with that. Uh, but Fletcher, Fletcher Cox allows uh, them to clean up a lot of mistakes. And that, uh, if there was one key matchup in, you know, for the Steelers' offensive line versus the Eagles' defensive line, a lot of people would be concerned with uh, with Graham and Curry and Barwin coming off the edge. I'm more concerned with Fletcher Cox square in the middle of that defense. I'm not going to throw David DeCastro under the bus this week, but uh, last week was definitely not his best game, and it's not getting any easier this week with Fletcher Cox. 
and uh, I don't see us being able to run a lot of our horizontal run game, the pike play where we pull the backside guard because uh, I believe the Philadelphia's front seven players are fast enough to get in our offensive lineman's back pocket and chase down, you know, some of the run players from behind. So, you know, I don't think that this week's going to be a counter type game. It's going to be inside zone, you know, and more of uh, a straight ahead running game with uh, less east west principles in window dressing to start the play. I think we're going to have to, you know, attack them at the point of attack quickly. I don't see Philadelphia, you know, even if they, uh, you know, over penetrate or over pursue. I just think that they have the speed and the athletic ability in their front seven to be able to cover up for them for some mistakes. Yeah, I can see that. Perch, I mean, it feels like maybe a week the Steelers are going to run a lot more uh, shotgun and no huddle compared to what they did uh, the first two weeks of the season. Uh, yeah, it's possible. I mean, I'm curious to see if they uh, look to spread these guys out and go to the quick passing game or if they think that they might have a better matchup in the run game and try and pound them a bit. So I think it could be a combination of those two. You don't want to take too many shots deep downfield and have slow developing pass plays because – they do have some edge guys that are going to get home. Oh, yeah. I'm, I meant more in terms of, um, you know, running a little bit of inside zone with that uh, from shotgun to make it a little bit different, you know, different run game focus rather than the pulling game, as FC just said. But also yeah. short pass. We haven't really, you know, we haven't really killed anybody with the short passing game uh, where it feels like that opportunity exists here. Yeah, and I, I think that uh, we'll probably see a different game plan on both offense and defense this week. I think maybe that short, quick-passing rhythm game will, will finally show up this week. And I think that the blitz game uh, from Butler, is this will be the first week that they actually utilize it, where the first two weeks they, you know, there were some chunkable guys, as uh, Mike Tomlin would say. He didn't want to get beat deep and give up big plays. He, he, he wanted to prevent that and force the erratic quarterbacks to be perfect to score on them. Where this week, I think they're going to take some chances to go after the rookie and rattle him a bit. Yeah, that would be the thing. It's like maybe you know the rookie, the rookie test he gets this week um, for sure. Um, you know, FC the Steelers not won a game in Philadelphia since 1965. Uh, how how on earth is that possible? I realize that for a little while there they weren't playing so frequently in Philly. But now, you know, they're, they're playing at least every four or five years there. Um, man, it's, a, it's sort of odd to think that the Steelers in their heyday have never, or either heyday, have never won a game in Philadelphia. Um, what has to happen for that to end this week? We have to score one more point than they do. <laughs> I don't even know we haven't won there since 1965. You saying that telling me that we have not won in Philadelphia since 1965? I'm like, oh, really? I did not know that. That's like, I have. Uh, what we're gonna have to do, and, and I'm, and I'm not gonna give a wise ass answer. Is uh, honestly, I believe the series are gonna have to be able to uh, establish the run. Um, if they can establish the run, they'll force the Eagles and Jim Schwartz to commit more men to the box. More men in the box means more room for Antonio Brown, Marcus Wheaton if he's back, Sammy Coates, Rodgers, and the outlaw Jesse James to operate. Um, as funny as this sounds, I believe the Steelers underutilized their tight ends last week. I don't think – that Cincinnati had an answer for it. I don't think they had an answer for Grimble. I don't think they had an answer for James because they were so committed to stopping the run and making sure Antonio Brown didn't beat him. Um, yeah. I, as funny as it sounds, um, athletically, Grimble and Jesse James are, especially Jesse James, are really athletic. I mean, we hung the numbers – Comparing Rob Gronkowski. Oh, I lost an FC. Um, yep, I think we lost him for a second. That's okay. Hey, Perch, um, we'll uh, we'll get back to the uh, the, uh, the to FC's comment there, but um, just one one last thing: Carson Wentz against the Steelers defense. The Steelers might show him some different stuff. Do you, do you think there's a chance that? Uh, he manages to find success more than we were thinking he might. 
this week. Who was the player? I didn't hear what you said. Oh, Carson Wentz. I was saying, do you think, you know, despite the fact that he's a rookie and we're going to throw some stuff at him and we're a better defense than the previous two he's faced, still a chance he can he can uh, put some points up against the Steelers? Yeah, he's a good player. I think that uh, he'll have some success. And, I, you know, it, it just depends on, you know, whose day it is that day. But I, I think the Steelers – Traditionally, I know it was more of a Dick LeBeau thing. Have really been a tough riddle to solve for for a lot of young quarterbacks. So, I like the Steelers' chances, but he is at home and he does have some good weapons. And you know, we do have some uh, inexperienced guys in our secondary, so it could go either way. I think he'll score, you know, somewhere in the mid range of points. I don't think he'll uh, be completely shut out. I don't think he's going to light the Steelers up for thirty, but uh, I think he'll score some points. Yeah, the the. Uh... Steelers are good at stopping rookie quarterbacks unless they're Ryan Mallett or uh, whoever that the guy was for Tampa Bay two years ago uh, that looked a little bit like Herman Munster <laughs> in the pocket. <laughs> we didn't seem to be able to stop those guys, but uh, hopefully you are right. Um, hey, let's go to our, our pick segment for a second while we await uh, FC's potential return. Um can can New England just could I could I suit up at quarterback for New England on Thursday night and win this game? It seems to be. What's that? Sorry. It's left-handed. It's easy when you have all the answers to the test, right? Man, it's something because because uh, they just you know it just looks like hey no no Gronk, no receivers really no, you know no Brady. It's, I mean, is like Julian Edelman that good? You know, I mean, and Wes Walker before him. We've both followed football our entire lives. And every dynasty I've lived through, every really good team, I kind of got it. You know, you, you kind of, you know, I go back, you know, mostly the 70s and 80s football. You understood why the 70s Cowboys, Raiders, Steelers, and Vikings what made them good. In the 80s, you know, when the Giants and, and the Redskins had their runs, and then the Cowboys, you looked at them and said, wow, they've got a lot of talent in these positions. And, boy, they, some of these guys they have are the best players in the league at their position. Since 2001, I've looked at New England and I'm like, huh? It doesn't doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up to me. They take these cast off little wide receivers that were nobodies that don't do anything especially super well. Uh, they got a you know a hodgepodge of offensive linemen that from the mid rounds of the draft that you know played a good together well as a group. They really haven't had a dominant defensive player to speak of you know over the years. Richard Seymour was maybe the closest. You know decent linebackers. Uh, a, you know, take undrafted guys from the secondary, patch them together, veteran cast-off free agents that nobody else wanted or you thought were at the end of their career, and they don't just win, they dominate. It doesn't make a damn bit of sense to me. I'm, I'm tired of just figuring it out. I, I will never bet against them again. Until they start losing, I just I, every week I think they're going to win every season. I think they're winning the Super Bowl. I don't understand it. I can't wrap my, my brain around how they win with these guys. You know, they, then they bring some nobody quarterback in, uh, and the guy lights the league up. You know, and if he leaves the team, he goes somewhere else, and he's awful. I can't, I don't get it. Is Belichick that good? Uh, is there something that shady going on there where they're wiretapping every? I mean, I'm paranoid trying to figure out what the hell these guys do that makes them so good. I can't figure it out. So that's my New England rant for the year. No, and you're I, I'm right there with you. The only thing I would say is they they seem to be intent intent on picking guys who are really smart and who are really kind of jagoffs. Like that to me is their that's the primary thing they do and then they fill in the gaps of you know players that they're missing at certain positions with maybe a free agent cast off or or some such thing but for the most part you get all these guys who are just like you know annoying really smart guys who are just smug and they fit the program you know it's funny yeah, they've got that profile of the uh the underdog story guy who was, who was passed over in the draft or picked really late and he's hungry and he's uh he's never content because he could be cut at any day how the fuck do you win with those guys? Excuse my language, but how do you win those guys when you're lining those guys up against the top ten pick of the draft, the best guy in the league? I mean, they it just it doesn't make sense to me. I, I understand having a couple of those guys on the team, and it makes for a good story, and it, it uh, keeps the team motivated, and you can win with with some of those guys. They've got a roster of forty five guys like that. It just doesn't add up. Yeah, FC, uh, are you? Uh... We're, we're, we're entertaining ex- explanations for why the Patriots can win no matter who lines up for them. I have absolutely no idea either. It's a fucking mystery to me. And you can worry. Don't worry about excusing my language. But, yeah, they, I, they sold their soul to the devil. Chris Hogan, who the 
fuck is Chris Hogan? But he's <laughs> going to be the next Julian, Julian Edelman, Wes Welker. It's just nuts. I have absolutely no idea how they, they – as soon as they beat – when they beat Arizona week one, I just knew. I was like, oh, yep, here we go again. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the thing is that, that conversation we always used to have, if you had one play to win the Super Bowl, uh, who would you want to play quarterback? Here's what I would say. If it's third and one and you need to get a first down, I want Tom Brady as my quarterback. And, I, you know, it's like I want Tom Brady with the entire Patriots organization and Bill Belichick in his headset or whatever. But they seem to be if – if they get you in short yardage to go, you're, you're dead. You know, they've, they're unbelievable in short yardage. I don't understand um, how there can be such an outlier like that. But anyway, uh, so I assume we're, we're all – we're all picking New England with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback on Thursday night with no practice. Any, I won't. I said I will never bet against him again. So yes, put me down. Yes, for the rest of the season, sixteen and 0, 19 and zero, cover the spread every week. That's what I think. <laughs> FC, you want to take Houston? No. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Okay, uh, Cincinnati, Denver. Um, Speaking of teams that are they are they as good as they've appeared so far? Denver looked pretty good. I mean, they still they still you know they missed the guys in the middle that they got rid of, but uh, but FC it seems like they uh, are still playing pretty good football. Yeah, they're gonna. I think they're that finally the the injuries may have finally caught up to them a little bit because Demarcus wears out, and even though he's ancient, he actually. Uh, he gives them something legitimate coming off the edge. Uh, Derek Wolf is going to play, but he's also dinged. Um, that's, that's, a it's, that's a lot for them. Uh, the game is in Denver, I believe, correct? It is in Cincinnati. Oh, it's in Cincinnati. Hmm. And it's not a primetime game. There's a clue for you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so they're, yeah, they're playing at 1 o'clock. I, I got that. Um, what's the spread? Three and a half. Yeah. I'll take the Bengals in three and a half. I think Denver probably will end up winning the game by a field goal if they win the game. Uh, I would probably you got, back, the you got it backwards, my friend. Cincinnati believes yeah. favorite. Are game. you fucking kidding me? I'll take the then I'll take. Uh, yeah, I'll take Denver and I'll take the three and a half. Yeah, I mean, it feels like a sucker bet. You know, one of those things. Right. Um, it, it, uh, Eifert, nobody knows if he's going to play. He's he's practicing. Lim- he's practicing on a limited basis. Is all they'll say. I have a feeling he plays. But um, Perch, I'm I'm kind of thinking the Bengals might win this game. Um, see, I have a hard time picking these games because I'm rooting for Denver and I want you know Cincinnati buried two games back. Uh, yeah, but you're right though. West Coast team playing at one o'clock on the East Coast. A little bit banged up since he coming home after a tough game. I'm going to take the Broncos because I think it'll be a close game in that half point, the three and a half. Uh, I think that does it for me. I'm taking the Broncos. I'm not sure who wins outright, but I'll take I'll take that those extra points. Yeah, I might take Cincinnati to win but not cover. Um, that's just sort of what it feels like to me. Um, Denver, uh, Cincinnati defense, pretty strong test for for Simeon, and I know he looked he looked pretty good against Carolina. But uh, it's, a, it's a similar kind of, you know, that pressure up the middle is, is one of those things that uh, can be difficult to deal with. We'll, we'll see. Denver, I think, is more talented overall, maybe, than Cincinnati. But you can go back and forth on those kinds, for sure. Um, what else was I going to look and scrolling down the list here? Um, either of you guys think the Minnesota phenomenon is for real with uh, Sam Bradford, or will he come down to earth now that he's going to go on the road and play at Carolina? I think the Vikings as a team, and if you look at their roster, pretty close to Cincinnati. I mean, they've got a lot of talent at a lot of places. I think Sam Bradford probably gets hurt this week, uh, and and then they're going to be up shit creek again. But uh, you know, <laughs> he'll he'll get hurt. He'll get hurt before I'd say before the leaves are off the trees would be a good bet. Over under. Somebody broke his hand, I think, in, in the first game. So. Yeah, well, that'll probably get gangrenous sometime uh, by Thursday, and. He'll be out for the season. But, yeah, I, Minnesota reminds me of just watching them play this week when they were playing Green Bay. A lot like Cincinnati, you know, good good in the trenches, some good skill guys, a decent quarterback, and 
you know, good enough to, to win a lot of 10 games and make the playoffs, probably not good enough to do much more beyond that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think they're for real. But I think Carolina probably gets home and hits Bradford and, and rattles them enough to, to win that game. Yeah, hey, better question, FC, than who will than, – than is Minnesota for real? Uh, well, last week I asked you who are the top uh, – who are the, you know, playoff teams in college at the end of the year. Who are the best teams in the NFL? Who do you have on your short list? That's a very, very good question. Well, I guess uh, New England would actually have to be one of the, you know, they, they beat Arizona with, uh, with their backup quarterback. So New England would have to be a consideration. Um, I think the Battle of Pennsylvania this week will, will give you another answer of either the Steelers or Eagles. Um, Carolina is a good team. I don't think that they're a great team. And uh, the rest of it, you could throw against the wall and see what sticks because there's a lot of good teams, but I don't see a ton of great teams in the NFL this year so far. Um, I think Zimmer for Minnesota is a great coach. You want to talk about a team taking on a coach's identity. That's that's the Minnesota Vikings. Uh just just be glad that that guy's not the Cincinnati Bengals coach. That right, and I was actually, whenever you mentioned earlier, you know, we were talking about, you know, Marvin Lewis keeping his job. I was thinking how lucky we were that uh, Zim didn't end up, uh, you know, taking over the Bengals. And uh, I bet you Jerry Jones right now is kicking himself for uh, going with uh, Mr. Yale Garrett there instead of uh, of Zimmer. I have no yeah. idea why Zimmer had to wait. I actually do have an idea why Zimmer had to wait so long to be a head coach. It's just that he's, uh, I don't want to use the word caustic, but he's such a player's coach that uh, I think a lot of head coaches that he coached for didn't like him just because I don't want to say he has a Betty, Buddy Ryan element to him, but his defensive guys like loved him in Dallas and in Cincinnati. Yeah. And you can see that the offensive guys, and the defensive guys in Minnesota love him. It's just if you badmouth one of his players during a press conference, you know, there's a the reporter guy think, well, there's a fifty fifty chance I might get punched. he might come down off the stage and punch me in the fucking mouth. It's just he seems to legitimately like his guys. His guys are like yeah. his kids. You badmouth one, you know, he's willing to fight you. After the game, after they won against Green Bay, they were, you know, kinda of throwing Brian Robeson Robeson and uh and uh the quarterback under the bus a little bit and uh he wasn't having it and then they said you know what about Adrian you know Peterson's knee injury is he now an injury risk he seems to be getting injured every year and he's just like I love Adrian Peterson I wish I could have 50 of them you know he's so tough he's just such a team guy I was just like wow that's obviously that's that's what I like in a coach Uh, well uh just before we head back to, to talk about our five-star matchup this week, um, Jets and Kansas City, there's an interesting matchup. Uh, just a quick thought, FC. At Kansas City, they're favored by three against the Jets. The Jets are another one of those teams that, like, could be for real, maybe? I mean, they have, right. you know, uh, an older Andy Dalton at quarterback. Right. Um, how much are you, If Matt Forte is able to give the Jets a semblance of a running game, I think they have a good chance. If uh, if Kansas City manages to shut down Matt Forte, I don't think Ryan Fitzpatrick, even though he has two very good wide receivers, can make enough plays against that defensive backfield because I think that Andy Reid, regardless, should be fired after the year. I don't think there's a coach that gets less out of more, meaning he did the same thing in Philadelphia. I think Kansas City has a dynamic roster, even with the injuries, to Houston and then Tomahali, that defense is ridiculously talented. Um, I think that he has talented wide receiver other than Jeremy Macklin. You know, I think Chris Conley is a very good wide receiver. He has two or three smaller name players. And then, you know, at running back, even with Jamal Charles out, you still have, you know, Spencer Ware is, you know, having a solid year. And they have two or three other solid backs. And Alex Smith may not be good enough to win a Super Bowl, but he's good enough to win a lot of regular season games, makes good decisions with the ball, very athletic, very good offensive line. I'm not going to say great, but, you know, they, they good pieces for what they want to do. Um, I 
don't trust the Jets' defense. I love Todd Bowles. The Jets' defense is an in. It's an it's 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 a wave type of results. Um, you know Wilkerson. You know in and out injuries. You know suspensions. Uh, I would probably favor Kansas City just because I think they're going to be able to shut down Matt Forte, and I don't think Ryan Fitzpatrick can make enough plays. You know against that Kansas City Chiefs defense, but. And Fat Andy can manage to fuck up the offense bad enough to where the Jets can win that game, finally scoring 13 points. <laughs> okay. I'm going to go with you. I like Kansas City in this game. Although I think the Jets, you know, the Jets are a team that could uh, upset a couple of apple carts maybe just, you know, until you get to the a deep run in the playoffs, I don't necessarily see. But in terms of uh, being a team, you don't really want to play with that defense the way it is right now. Um, although Rebus... Revis Island is uh, getting flooded from global warming, I think. It may not be much of an island anymore. Uh, anyway, let's go talk about our five-star matchup because we're in it. That would be your Pittsburgh Steelers visiting the Philadelphia Eagles this week, a place where they haven't won since 1965. Uh, FC, tell me why things are going to change or maybe they're not going to change this week. I don't ever pick against the Steelers, but if I was going to pick against the Steelers, this would be the first time I would consider doing so this year. Um, I think that this might be the first week week we really miss Martavius Bryant um, and his playmaking ability. But I'm going to lean towards the side where I think the Steelers are going to come out fairly balanced. I think that uh, the run game is going to get shut down early um, because Jim Schwartz is just not going to allow teams to jam the ball down his throat. Whenever he was head coach or coordinator everywhere, it's the one thing he attempted to do was stop the run. Um, fortunately, the Steelers have Antonio Brown, and I believe he was a little bit embarrassed last week. Uh, not by his effort. It was, you know, he did have a ball pound right off his chest. I'm not going to defend him. He's my guy. Everybody knows that. But uh, I expect that he has a bounce back week. Um, I think the defense will confuse Wentz at times. Um, I think that that's one thing the Steelers do a very good job of is uh, masking coverages, uh, showing something pre-snap and rolling into something after the ball carrier or after the ball is snapped. Um, The thing that really would concern me as an Eagle fan is ball security. It hasn't come up and bit them yet, but they're putting the ball in the carpet and they're recovering it. The Steelers um, over the last two years have been a very opportunistic team. When it comes to things like that, Ryan Shazier is a ball magnet. Same thing can be said about Jarvis Jones being a ball magnet. James Harrison, the ball just seems to find Steelers defenders at times. Uh, If I had to put a score on the game, I'd say the Pittsburgh Steelers win this game 27-23. Well, you didn't pick against them. Uh, Perch, what happened this week? Yeah, I think it'll be a tough, uh, tough, hard-fought game. Uh, the Eagles' front seven does uh, uh, give me some uh, some fits, uh, some some fear there. Uh, Leo, does McKelvin supposed to be a game-time decision? If you're putting rookie Jalen Mills out there on the outside with uh, Batman Carroll, Antonio Brown's going to go off eventually. They've got two solid safeties. They don't have two great safeties. <laughs> you know, the, eventually Brown's going to have one of those 200-yard games again where he catches 13 balls. I think this is probably the week for that. I think the Steelers find a way to kind of spread the Eagles out. And, and with Marcus Wheaton coming back, I think they'll uh, really will be four or five deep at receiver. Um, and they will find a way to up-tempo these guys, uh, which will kind of neutralize that pass rush. They'll force Wentz into enough mistakes that they'll be able to win the game. I'll go 23-17. Oh, that's funny. Uh, I have a different take on the game. Um, I thought the Steelers uh, match up against Eagles offense, I don't think as good as the last two weeks. I think the Eagles uh, can do a, a few more things, and their their quarterback's better than the previous two guys we faced, even though I know that, you know, when they first came up in the league, uh, a lot of people liked both quarterbacks that we faced this year so far. Uh, and Andy Dalton's, you know, done some stuff. He's not horrible. Um, but I have a feeling that this, this is one of those games where um, the opposing quarterback can make a few plays, and I think he can make plays with his feet, which is a problem for the Steelers over the years. Uh, I think they can put up some points. Uh, I'm going to say that that the Eagles can put up 21 points in this game. 
Um, but I, the thing I think I see most differently from you guys is I, I think this is a bad matchup for Philly's defense against what the Steelers do on offense. And especially, um, you know, if the elements are good, if it doesn't, if it isn't stormy or raining again this week, uh, I have a feeling that uh, the Steelers have so many options that even, even when they don't play that well, they put up points, they put up more points than you guys are talking about. I, I think this is probably a 33 21 Steelers victory might not be quite a, as a much of a blowout. I think it might be a little bit back and forth in terms of the momentum in this game, but I think the Steelers just have way too much on offense uh, and will win 33 to 21. I, I love Nolan Carroll. I liked him coming out. He's sort of like a, a Will Gay with a little bit more athleticism maybe, you know, uh, but between Jalen Mills can do some covering. He's a little Ross Cockrell-ish, but I, I don't see those guys – being able to hold up on the outside against the Antonio Browns and other stuff that we're going to throw out there. And, you know, as far as the middle and the, the third wide receiver and all that business, I'm, I'm not sure Philly is really set up to, to uh, stop all of our weapons in the middle. So I like the Steelers relatively big, I guess. Um, 3321. Uh, last word for you, Perch. If Carson Wentz takes hits like he did last week, against the Steelers with James Harrison and Ryan Shazier and Lawrence Timmons, he will be leaving the game on a stretcher. I'm going to agree with that one 100%. FC, final thought. Be the hammer, not the nail. Uh, <laughs> I think this is going to be physical battle war of Pennsylvania. And uh, first team the blinks loses. And uh, at the end of the day, I'll put my money on Ben over a rookie quarterback, even though I do like Carson Wentz a lot. There you go. Well, gentlemen, drive safely, talk safely, enjoy the game safely, and uh, I'll talk to you next week after a big Steelers victory. Thank you to Steel Perch FC and everybody who's tuned in listening. And to Fury, hope you're feeling better after your surgery and everyone at SteelersFury.com. This is Brad Shadow Ben saying, go get them, Steelers. Steelers. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.